Welcome to VC for Stupid Idiots. We are your idiots, Marianne, Michelle, and Francesco from NomadicMinds.Capital. Here, we interview the best investors on the planet to learn their secrets and tell them a lot of bad jokes. Then, we use their knowledge to invest in emerging market startups. Because this is the most effective way to lift people out of poverty and make outstanding returns. If you want to see what we are investing in this week, please join us at nomadicminds.capital. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of VC for Stupid Idiots, where, of course, Michelle and I are the idiots, and we go out with VC with us, actually Morgan the Fourth. Morgan, why don't you tell our wider audience that I think is around, yeah, two, three people. <laughs> what do you do? Who are you? And why they should listen to you? Thanks, guys. Really uh, happy to be here today. So I'm the founder of Factory Ventures. Uh, we are a venture investing really platform uh, that uh, focuses on making impact investments in emerging, arc, uh, uh, emerging markets uh, around primarily energy, ag, ag tech, mobility, and, and waste. And uh, we've been around for about eight years now. Yeah, have been have been active and early actors in this this space of impact investing, particularly. In- Got it. So I was thinking today we're gonna talk about one of basically the topic that we like the most. So how Morgan right now is literally lifting millions of people out of poverty thanks to his venture. <laughs> <laughs> so according to the uh, the according to the prosperity paradox. It's actually one of the most important books in the area. Venture investing is the most effective way to lift people out of poverty in the emerging market. Yeah, yeah. Way more than a UN program, way more than building wells in Kenya or Congo. So, right now, Morgan, can you tell us some really cool success story of some startups that you have founded and now are creating jobs or improving the life of a lot of people right now. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, I'd love to. And look, I, I think that this is, I mean, this is why many of us de- dedicate our lives to this industry. I was an academic previously, so I had an academic uh, background and, and got really excited about the impact investing space. I think there's a role. It doesn't do everything, but it is incredibly powerful. And I think as we leverage you know, the global capital markets, our, our, our job as investors at the end of the day is to deploy capital uh, to where there's opportunity. And I think too much of that has been directed at doing the same thing over and over again that was successful and not enough always uh, on taking risks and, and opening up new markets. And, and so that's where we see both incredible opportunity, uh, but also a really satisfying impact you know, we've now been at this long enough to see some some really exciting successes. And I would say, you know, we have a, we have a few of those. Maybe one I'd, I'd talk about right now that I'm, I'm particularly proud of and excited about is, is a company called Systema Bio, a company that builds a, and builds a low-cost anaerobic digestion systems for smallholder farmers. And so on-site, you can convert 
animal waste, food waste, human waste into biogas um, and displace uh, really unsustainable cooking approaches. Uh, and you could also create fertilizer for your crops. And so this is a, a great like hardcore waste to energy problem. And, uh, you know, when we invested in Sistema, they were based out of Mexico. We really felt like there was opportunity for them to expand globally into, into East Africa, India. Their growth has just been incredible. I think that when we invested doing some background research for our due diligence, we could count around a thousand anaerobic digestion systems that had ever been installed in East Africa historically ever. And, you know, Sistema is now doing thousands of, of, of systems across East Africa and tens of thousands of systems across East Africa, hundreds of thousands in India every year. And so we just see an incredible, you know, something that was a topic that for 20, 30 years was an area of interest for NGOs. We now see a company just executing on and, and growing at an incredible rate and providing a really strong service and value to their customer. Likewise, we have some ag tech companies that have been just really exciting and, and to see the growth of going from tens of customers to hundreds of customers to hundreds of thousands of customers is, is just really satisfying to see and certainly has now gotten the attention of global investors. And so to see some of these companies that we invested in in Mexico and, and in Kenya and in India really get global attention and, and really get scale has been has been super ex exciting. And that's been happening despite the challenges of, uh, of COVID over the last year and a half plus. Yeah, got it. That's great. So I've got two other questions. So the first question is, how do you make an egg roll? <laughs> Michelle, do you want to say that? Good shit. Oh. <laughs> so the second question is more on the startup side. <laughs> yeah. So what's, what's this noise coming from? Ah, is there a laugh? We're not used to it. <laughs> yeah. Usually it's just it's right. just the sound of one person laughing. <laughs> I've never heard of it. <laughs> I'm not used to it. Yeah. So going back on us. So right now, emerging market are getting cooler. Okay. So. Three years ago, no, three years ago, I guess five years ago, if you would have said, hey, why don't you guys invest in India? Okay? Some would say, absolutely not. Right now in this. Two years ago, when three years ago, when uh, Marcelo Duarte from SoftBank said, okay, guys, I'm going to go to Latin America. Everyone think, okay, you're absolutely crazy. And now Latin America is super hot. Do you think is happening the same thing with Africa right now? Yeah, I, so, I mean, we have seen... You know, in the eight years we've been in India, we've seen the market just completely change. And so, in fact, in India now, as we look at kind of our role as an impact investor and the availability of domestic capital, you kind of look at that and go, it's, it's actually a, a difficult market to be in because there, there are good deals. There's also a lot of local smart money chasing those deals, driving up valuations and creating a healthy ecosystem. Which is, which is fantastic. Certainly Latin America, even more so. And so, look, you know, Africa is, Africa is not one place. It's not monolithic. It's a lot of countries with a lot of variability between those countries and, and dynamics between those countries. It is also a massive growth. And so there is just no evading the, the demographics of what's going to happen in the continent. We see a young population, an educated population 
growing kind of ability to to purchase, you know, and purchasing power going up. Simultaneously, we see real challenges in Africa that are that are again unique to Africa. But I think for the investor, this is this is the point of impact. Is if we show up late to the party, then then what was the point? And so we we are really excited about what we're seeing in Africa. We're certainly trying to pave the way as far as placing bets there and supporting companies. I think it's less about whether you should be in India or Latin America or Africa. There's a lot of room in emerging markets for investors. I think the bigger question is, what do you bring to the table? And if you don't bring value beyond the check you can write, then you need to think hard about, you know, being involved in any of those markets. And so this is this is much less about picking the right sector or picking the right country. It's about, I think, understanding, you know, what what the value proposition is for the companies you invest in. And and it, it kind of doesn't matter as long as you have the ability to to help create value because these are not markets where you write a check and you come back 10 years later and see how it, it went down. This is where you roll up your sleeves and you get involved. And if you're willing to do that, you can absolutely create value in any of those markets. Yeah, 100%. Like, well, the majority of people are, I've realized the same today. I think they don't get it's like, when you invest in someone out of San Francisco, they've been working for the last 15 years in tech and now he's starting his own thing. Okay, so you can support, but the support is limited to maybe connection, some introduction, etc. But when you're investing from the US to someone in, I don't know, Nigeria, Lagos, or Mexico, etc., there's a whole bunch of things that these guys would love to help, would love you have, you, to have your help with, and they simply go no one apart from you to deliver. So be, being helpful it just is very useful and very easy there. Yeah. No, I, I think that's right. And I think it also, it, there's a lot of pressure then put on, on investors to provide real value, right? Because calling up the company and, and giving them, you know, network that they can't use, giving them advice about customers that you don't understand and they do isn't helpful. And so there's also ways in which US-based investors can be you know, uh, value destructive in their investments as well. It's, it's, it's really being realistic around what you can do. And so certainly U.S. investors are, are used to finding other investors. They're used to, you know, understanding how to prepare and sell an exciting story, understanding governance, good governance, and how to build a board, challenging models of product market fit. You know, you may not understand the customer base as well, but you understand that you need to understand that and, and to what level and degree. And so, you know, showing companies in some of these markets examples from maybe more competitive markets of what does a pitch deck look like? What does a board pack look like? These are the these are the moves that companies make as they go through the process. Now adapt that for the local market and the knowledge of the customer that the local founders are going to bring, et cetera. So, so I think you have to be really thoughtful about the support side because there's also my in my experience support from from us investors that actually isn't very thoughtful of of the market exactly i've got three questions for you the first question is what does alexander the great and winnie Depot have in common <laughs> neither are investors in factory definitely but also <laughs> so, and then, yeah we got tones 
actually go on to joke about unemployed people, but they simply don't work. Um, so they, they are not, I'm not just like, but I'm laughing because like it's a pity laugh. Mm, yeah, you, you recognize it. <laughs> yeah. And let's, let's go back to us. So there is this kind of like, let's say me says, okay, impact investing doesn't return any revenue. Doesn't return any, like, doesn't return a lot of money like normal investing. Okay. What do you want to say about those people? Can you show them that it's not true? Yeah, I mean, without maybe... Um you know, disclosing uh, uh, anything I shouldn't disclose. I mean, Factory is, uh, as a investment platform, is uh, returning gross IRs that any fund in California would love to see. So we've been, you know, lucky along with a whole lot of hard work. And um, we're seeing excellent portfolio performance across our investments. And, and so, you know, it's certainly can be done there. It's it's different. We talk about investing in camels, uh, not unicorns. You're, you're not looking yeah. for that 150x, 100x deal. And so if you build a portfolio around that kind of a strategy, you're going to be in trouble. There's just not the capital to create that kind of investor excitement and momentum. That said, you know, we don't have a lot of uh, outright failures. I mean, we have a, a pretty solid portfolio with a few real real outstanding investments. And so if you think about how you construct your portfolio appropriate to that market, if you have the flexibility of, you know, we are a permanent capital vehicle. And so we have some timing flexibility and some of those kinds of things built into our platform. The returns are, are definitely uh, there and possible, but you have to have the right timeline in, in mind and you have to construct a portfolio that's that's pretty thoughtful of, of kind of the risk return, you know, profile that you're going to get in emerging markets. And, and I would say, you know, look, you can you look at fintech in Africa. That's, that's, yeah, wildly successful. And so we're having great success in ag, ag tech and energy. Look at return expectations for energy VCs in the US and you see kind of single digit IRR performance. We are, we are, we are, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so just can you give us like from your from your experience can you give us like a more specific information on so when you are looking for a port, when you're creating your portfolio strategy okay what so you say you should not chase your 150x returns you should chase something a bit less although more yeah what are we talking about 10x 20x what do you think yeah, so I mean we have we have we have 10x exits in our portfolio, we have 5x exits in our portfolio. We do not have 50, you know. We don't have 20, but we do have we do have fives and tens and and a fair number of, of threes and 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 not a whole lot of zeros, um, to be honest. And and that's you know, after now, um, like I said, like eight years, that's a pretty good data set, um, 24 some investments. That's a pretty good initial data set for these sectors and, and these spaces. Um, look, I, I would say building that portfolio, you know, you look at a company and, and how do you decide before you invest, is this a 5X or yeah. a 10X or whatever? I mean, that's that's the harder question. And I mean, the reality... And if it's at the potential to be 150X or no. So some companies, you you know, they're never going to be 150X. Yeah, yeah. 5X, 10X, you never know, but... 
Yeah, no, no, that's right. I mean, I, I think I think a lot of this starts with some of our best investments have have really, you know, it's not about picking the sector. It's about looking at companies who are trying to solve a problem at scale. And so they didn't start with a technology. They started with an exciting problem. And if you have a really exciting problem and you offer a really exciting value proposition, I mean, the, the math, <laughs> the math works the same, whether you're in Silicon Valley or Nairobi, if you're solving that at a way at scale, you know, you have a lot, a lot of opportunity. I think the difference is, is, is there, there is a regional diversification that's required inside, particularly if we look at Africa, where what you're really trying to do is say that, you know, I have a value proposition in a company that maybe it starts out in, but in a thoughtful way, we can expand to, to Ghana and we can, you know, expand into Rwanda and we can, we can then get into, you know, Nigeria, et cetera. And then you get some scale and some diversity some reduced risk exposure. There's companies who try and do that too quickly, but I, I think when you when you do that thoughtfully, then you start to get to those multiples because you achieve scale, you achieve attention from from not just regional investors, but um, global investors. Yeah. Yeah. And then, so uh, another question: So, what's actually red and bad for your teeth? <laughs> what? A brick and. <laughs> <laughs> What's brown, long, and sticky? Uh, stick. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I, I got kids. I got kids. Yeah, okay. <laughs> this is actually, like, to be honest, I guess this is the first show ever, ever, literally ever that anyone in our podcast <laughs> usually always like, what? And they're like, You can thank uh, my 10 and 13 year olds, Chloe and Piper, for educating me on, uh, on, some of the finer humor that uh, you guys exhibit uh, on, on the podcast. Great. So our humor is a teenage <laughs> humor. That's great. You know, my mom yeah. is really proud of me right now. <laughs> oh, so, yeah. Going back on us. Let's suppose I'm a software engineer Snapchat, okay? Uh, there was this amazing Q3 result last six months ago, three months ago, whatever it was. And I got my paycheck, like four or five million, Okay. Now I want to go into investing and I've heard of this podcast because I'm one of among the three listeners to Francesco <laughs> Morgan talking about impact investing. And I'm like, wow, I want to do it. I want to help people. So the problem is that start investing in Kenya from the Bay Area. Yeah. If, I have, uh, if I, I'm living in I don't know, Colorado, Utah, if I'm living in London, whatever, How do I start investing in Lagos? How do I write the first check in Taiwan? Yeah. What's your advice? Yeah, I mean, so my, my first advice is, is the same first advice I give to someone who wants to do a startup, which is find a buddy. You know, you're, you're more successful as an angel investor working with other investors. You're more successful as a startup founder having co-founders. And so, you know, each of these markets have dynamics, not just understanding like the, the venture from Kenya that happens to cross your desk in San Francisco. There's a reason you're seeing it in San Francisco and there's a bunch of deals you aren't seeing because you're not in. And you need to compare that company with a broader look at the marketplace. And so, you know, one is, is find a buddy, do your homework, understand the market. If, if you don't understand it or have the bandwidth to understand it fully, 
find someone who's investing in that space and is looking for co-investors. There's a lot, you know, each market has challenges around even just legally investing. What are the norms inside of Nigeria versus Kenya? What are the challenges around executing a deal? So I think it's really important to team up. And there are a lot of folks working in this space now. And and just tell them, you know, you, you want to get involved, want to piggyback on some co-investing. Everyone likes to fall in love with a deal and and not, you know, outsource uh, pipeline and and outsource support and those kinds of things. But I think in these markets, it's critical to to find people that are working in these spaces and, and work alongside them. Yeah. Okay. Got it. So basically, the two suggestions, if you guys want to start investing in Kenya or whatever, and you should, because otherwise, basically, don't put in action someone that can help literally millions of people. Is first thing is finding a bad day. There could be another angel that is already doing this. Or is another VC. I mean, if you contact VC saying, I'm an angel, would love to follow you in some deals. I don't see why a VC should say no. Yeah, that's absolutely right. It's a very, I mean, it's a different dynamic in, in emerging markets where there's, I think, a lot more cooperation among VCs, a lot more deal sharing, a lot more kind of lifting heavy loads together. And so I think, I think you find a very collaborative investor network who, who be happy to help you figure out a path forward, even if that means, you know, working with a, a quote unquote competitor. Cause the reality is, in emerging markets, the biggest competitor we face is the status quo. Yeah. So, so that's the thing. We realized that in emerging markets, so while in more established ecosystem, that's like you can get big rounds and still fail, in emerging markets, it's quite rare to raise 100 million and fail. Yeah. So because simply like the main problem is there's a lack of capital and that's what the problem is. the problem that everyone is trying to sort. Yeah. So uh, another question though, what does... My grandma's teeth and the stars have in common. <laughs> I give up. Okay, the boats come out tonight. So uh, <laughs> going back on us, so I've got so our, our time is over, and now we would love to ask you three super fast questions. You reply whatever you've got on top of your head. Just don't even think about it. Say that. And okay. Number one, what's the most overlooked industry right now? So the industry that I know. Capital is flowing everywhere, but what industry people are not paying attention to that is actually quite remote? Yeah, I actually think that people are overlooking kind of the the intersection spaces. And so I would say ag energy, ag energy waste, you know, mobility energy, those intersection spaces are are really exciting. And I think they get the most overlooked. Got it. Now name three countries that you think are really overlooked right now? Are they going to boom? Yeah, I think so. So I, I'm going to cheat a little bit on this one. I mean, I think I think that it, it's tough in in Africa in particular, which where we do most of our work, to to pick countries because I think it's they have up and down cycles. And so the three countries I would say are be in three countries, be geographically diverse with your investments. And in particular, try and be investments that they themselves are geographically diverse. Nigeria is super hot, but you get all the baggage that comes with that. Kenya is historically an innovation hub, stable, a good place to start out. And, you know, Nigeria adjacent Ghana is also nice to be close to Nigeria, but a little bit of the, you know, less uh, frenetic environment than, than Nigeria. So 
you know, we see those as all of those as great markets. Nairobi is is where our headquarters is and is a great kind of global city as a jumping off point into into the rest of, of Africa. I've overlooked purposefully South Africa, which is also a great entry point. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And so, but for for a lot of kind of the impact focused folks, you know, it's it's about starting off in in Kenya and Nigeria and then expanding. Got it. And then finally, the last question of the day: the day, why dinosaurs don't talk? <laughs> How do you know they don't? Yeah, because they are dead. So thank you so much to our amazing guest, Morgan. Thank you so much to all our listeners, all two of you. We will never make it without you. So yeah, see you in the next episode.